Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Ephesians chapter 2. It reads, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at this time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, as we continue to walk through Ephesians, we're here in chapter two. We have Z and Haley back with us. And so we continue to walk through what Paul is explaining of the mystery of the gospel and this focus here on what salvation actually is. And so let's dive into that today and see how Paul develops that for us. Yeah, so just one thing that I want to go back. And so Ephesians, we have six chapters in Ephesians. And the first three, we're going to see that it's doctrinal. And then the last three, we're going to see that it's practical. So that's why you're going to continue to hear about salvation and and what God did for us and what Jesus came to do for us. So that's what we're going to see in chapter two as well. So in chapter two, it's pretty much divided into two passages. We have one through 10, and then we'll have 11 to 22. But focusing on the first passage, one through 10, we see that verses 1 through 3 focus on our hopelessness without Christ. You see that it says that we are dead in our trespasses and sin, that we walked following the course of this world, and that we are the sons of disobedience. So within those three verses, we see that there is hopelessness without Christ. But then he goes to the good news and the remainder of that first passage. So in verses 4 through 10, we see what our hope is in Christ. And he tells us that God being rich in mercy because of his mercy and love, 
we have been saved. We've been made alive. We are no longer dead in our trespasses. And he makes it very clear here too, kind of like a, we would, what we talked in the first chapter that he makes it clear that this salvation that we have is nothing that we can earn. There's nothing that we do to influence God to give us this, but it specifically tells us that it is out of his mercy and his love that he gave us this gift of salvation. And one thing that we're talking about is, you know, people say, oh, uh, well, you know, I can choose God. I can choose God. But here it's specifically telling us that we are dead in our trespasses. We are dead. Dead people cannot bring themselves alive. So he's making sure that we understand that who we are before Christ is we are dead, but he makes us alive. And it is only by his grace through faith that we have been saved. And, and it's amazing. I love how Paul lays this out. Yes, he tells us the bad news of who we were in our old identity, but now he's reminding these believers in Ephesus of who they are now and their new identity, which sets us up for the following chapters that are to come. Well, now, you know, this is who you were. This is who you are now. Now live like this, chapters four, five, and six. Yeah, that's so good, Z. And then getting into the second section, starting in verse 11, you know, Paul is calling them to remember that at one time, how they related to God was as those under the curse of the law, unable to fulfill the law by saying, you know, you were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. And so you were separated from Christ. And so Mm -hmm. he's calling them to remember Mm -hmm. your beginning, remember your isolation Mm -hmm. from the body, remember where you started. Mm -hmm. But now you belong. Now you have been made one. You have been given a hope with God and you've been made right by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, you know, who in verse 14, he says, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. And so what he's referring to there is, is obviously the wall of hostility between us and God that existed because of his righteousness and our sinfulness that we could not overcome. And yet also we're going to come to see very soon what that means for the hostility that exists between us and others and other human beings. And so there's this vertical reconciliation that happens, which then enables us to look horizontally and be reconciled with one another because of Christ. So, you know, he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And so it's like these Gentiles are the ones who were far off. They were the ones who were not the covenant people of of God. They were not chosen. And yet, Ultimately, we see that they they have been called by God and they have been given a way to be grafted in. And that's through Christ's atoning work on the cross. And a big part of that is understanding how earth shattering that would have been to the Jewish people and how much of a statement of the grace of God that is to the people who understand the Gentiles. And so I know it's so hard for us to grasp our mind around that living this side of the cross that no, it was really tied to like an ethnic people, the people of God. But now it has been open for everyone. And that's a part of this mystery that he is unpacking. Why God would choose this ethnic group at one point in time and then say, no, hey, I'm really expanding that to everyone. And we've talked before on the podcast and other places that even if we go back to the Old Testament, we see that there are God fears and people outside the people of God who choose to align themselves to God and his plan and his purposes. And so we get some of those people in little glimpses in the Old Testament. 
But for the most part, it was really just that ethnic group. And so the fact that God would say, no, we're opening this up. The unity will be in my son to anyone who chooses to have this relationship and anyone who has been called and chosen by him, regardless of all of these defining factors, is such a huge, important truth for us to rest in today. Because then that means that as we evangelize and as we share our faith, it's not just with people who look or act or are just like us, but we're called to take the gospel to everyone all around us. As far as our question for today, it's going to be a little bit different in terms of not directly coming from our text, but even just coming from what we're doing here as we sit and talk through this. And so some of our listeners might be wondering, hey, what does it look like for a woman to study God's word? And so they look and they see that in our church, we have male pastors, the people who are preaching are pastors. Those are the people that should be studying God's word, but maybe it's not everybody else. And so why as a woman, why as a mom, why as a person just individually, even a man who desires not to preach or to do those things, why is it important for us to be studying God's word as an individual? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think it's one that a lot of people are struggling with today. You can look out at your friends and see that they may go to different churches that have different beliefs and practices as far as who's allowed to preach, who's allowed to teach. But, you know, I would say that the Bible is really clear that men are to be pastors and shepherds over the people. And then there's the office of elder, which is also held by a man. But there is absolutely no scripture that says women should not understand, read, be able to comprehend, and even be able to teach God's word to other women and children. And in fact, that is commanded. And what I would, I guess my view on this, uh, which I believe is, is rooted in scripture, is everyone is a theologian. It's really a question of who is forming your theology. You are going to have a worldview that is shaped by something. So that worldview should be shaped by God's word, first of all. Um, and so it's it's incredibly important, you know, as a mom of three kids and Z is a mom as well. It's incredibly important. I am on the front lines every day of these conversations that my kids bring to me about, you know, different questions about the world or salvation or who God is. And I have to be equipped. I have to know what I believe. And not only that, but I also, I, I don't want to be kind of a whitewashed tomb where I'm like, hey, kids, it's really important for you to go to Sunday school and learn all these truths, but I don't really need to know because I'm not going to be up on stage. And just even more practically, I need to know these truths for my own life, mm -hmm. you know, for the hard things that I go through and I'm walking through. A, a couple months ago, my husband was laid off from his job and I have had to call to mind so many times in the last couple months the truths of God's word, that he is a provider, that he is a sustainer, that I can trust him, that he's good, even in light of the uncertainty of our circumstances. And so I would say in those situations, if I'm not recalling, you know, the, the truths and the doctrines that I can find in scripture, I'm going to be filling my mind with something. What is going to fill my mind when I have those thoughts, when I have those questions, when I have doubts, I want it to be what scripture teaches. And yeah, so that's my... Yeah. And I really just love the way that you've talked about that because I think it fits with the preparation that, you know, our students go through fire drills and tornado drills and all of these other things. We're all hoping they never have to use them mm -hmm. in an actual situation, but they're teaching and building that baseline thought. Mm -hmm. When I get into these situations, how am I supposed to react? 
How am I supposed to do? And ultimately, like you've said, that's getting filled with something. Yeah. And so are you actively filling it with God's word, which is the mm-hmm. truth? Are you allowing yourself to passively absorb things from different areas in our culture? And so that will determine your ability to make the best decision in a moment of crisis, in a moment of trial or struggle, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that God brings your way. How you've prepared yourself for that moment will be there. Z, do you have anything else to add? Yes. Yeah, so when we hear like words like theology or doctrine, I think for women that can be a little bit intimidating because the first thing you think is, well, I need to go to school or have some special type of education to be able to study the Bible the right way. But, you know, what, what theology is, is just a study of who God is, right? And doctrine just refers to specific teachings of, of God in the Bible, like doctrines of salvation and the resurrection so these are really important for us to have so when we say we don't need theology we don't need doctrine what we're saying is i don't need to know about god i don't need to know about the teachings about god that's what we're saying so it's very important not to disregard just because we hear big words like that and feel like well i can't learn that but all we're doing is opening up our bibles and learning what god has already laid before us but the main reason I think we need to study is because we are commanded to. So 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We cannot rightly handle the word of truth if we are not studying the word of truth. Yeah. That This doesn't just hinder us as Christians, but we are also called to go out and make disciples, right? Well, mm-hmm. how can we make disciples if we don't know truth ourselves? I always say we cannot share truth that we don't know ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by not going into God's word, we are also painting our own image of who God is. We're also applying things incorrectly because we're not really understanding what God is saying to the original audience and then applying that. What we're doing is straight trying to go through application without going through that process, which leads to the other verse that um, I have here. And when we lack that biblical knowledge, Ephesians 4.14 says that we are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So if we are not rooted in truth and we don't take the time to study the word of God, then we are, you know, prone or vulnerable to false teachings that we hear from other people. Yeah, we're not anchored. Yeah, we're not anchored exactly. Yeah. And that's huge. And that's why we do this podcast. We call it the Anchored ASM Anchored Podcast. Oh, I didn't even know put that. Us into, <laughs> put us into that point where each day we can rest in the truth of what God is desiring to teach us. And so I think a lot of times, too, students get really tripped up by the fact like, hey, there's all these people who are so much smarter than me mm-hmm. who probably could explain this or do these other things. But that doesn't excuse us from studying God's word, because we all start somewhere. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. He's giving us an opportunity to grow, and he's walking with us as we grow. And so as we walk in these truths today, as we grow, hopefully in our desire to study in God's word, hopefully in our ability to understand and explain it to others, we see that he's giving us opportunities to take what we know, even if we deem it's very little, and to share that with others who know less than us, and to walk with them, and to help encourage them, and to help support them, to be the body of Christ to them, to help build them up in the unity and the bond of faith that he's desiring us to display. And so as we do that today, know that you are loved. You are-